from him who lifts and takes off and carries all of our burdens, especially the burden of our sin. Be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our gospel lesson, especially this part. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is our text. As I sat there watching TV that night, I knew that nothing would ever be the same. And you did too. September 11, 2001 was a monumental, momentous day in our nation's history, in the history of the world. Terrorists attacked our country. And as we sat there and watched it all unfold, we knew that nothing would ever be the same. We now divide our nation's history, at least the modern portion of it, between what happened before that day and what is now happening after that day. Our history is divided between pre-September 11th and post-September 11th. Remember what it was like before that day? We seemed so much more at ease. We seemed comfortable and confident as a country. We felt strong. We felt safe. And then those planes hit those buildings, and suddenly we felt vulnerable. We felt different. Things changed. We felt less safe. And air travel has become so much more of a burden. It's a little bit similar to what first century Jews did when they thought about history. New Testament scholar, or Bible scholar, N.T. Wright says that they divided their immediate future in the same way. They, they thought that something would happen that would make everything different. They truly believed that there would be some great event that would bring justice and peace, that would bring freedom for Israel, that would bring punishment for evildoers, and there would be a time of prosperity for all the prophecies would be fulfilled. All the righteous dead would be raised to new life and live and reign with God's Messiah right here on earth. And all the earth would burst out in a new and endless spring. Everything would be good and wonderful once again. And so the Jews of the first century would talk about the present age, and then they would talk about the age to come. A little bit like pre-September 11th, and post-September 11th. It was a way of anticipating for them a hope that was to come, better things, newer life, burdens lifted. Their present age, you see, was filled with sin and injustice, with lying and oppression, with good people suffering, and wicked people getting away with their evil. It sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? But they knew... They knew that in the age to come, everything would be different. And all they wanted to know was how they could be sure that they would be one of those who would inherit eternal life. Or to put it another way, the age to come. 
And so here comes this rich young ruler into the presence of Jesus, throws himself down at Jesus' feet and asks what he must do to be sure that he will inherit the age that is to come. Now he'd most certainly done everything expected of him. He had, at least in his mind, kept all of the commandments that he had to do in order to be a good Jew, one who would enjoy a new life in a new land, in an earthly kingdom that would never end, that would be good and great and wonderful for all of God's people. That is, until Jesus added to his burden. Go. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then Come and follow me. Then you will inherit the age that is to come. The man's face fell. There was one commandment he had not kept. You know what it is? The first commandment. He loved his possessions more than he loved God. What a burden that was for him to bear. So he went away, sad. And now here we sit, some 2,000 years later, listening to Jesus say, Come to me, follow after me, and you will inherit eternal life. But the burdens of this life make it hard for us to follow. For at least three reasons. We know that we are not good. We know that we have not kept the commandments as we should. And we know that we, when we are told to give everything to Jesus, we cannot. Those are three huge burdens to bear. But today, Jesus calls all of us to follow him to eternal life because of the burdens that will be relieved because he puts them on his back. Good teacher, Jesus, or good teacher, the man asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Take note of that. Did you hear what Jesus said? No one is good, Jesus said. Only God is good. And yet our old Adam, our old Eve gets so good at convincing us that we are pretty good. Like the Pharisee looking down on the publican, we say, we are so glad that we are not like those people. We don't do what they do. We do what they fail to do. We put a little halo over our heads. We get a running start and we leapfrog over all those other people who are such poor, miserable sinners. But Jesus' reaction to the question of the rich young ruler reminds us That outward obedience is completely useless in order to gain us salvation. It reminds us that to be truly good means to be perfect from the very first day of our life until the last one. And when we are not perfect, we not only break God's law, but we break God's heart. And when we look into the face of a perfect God who has tears in his eyes because of our evil, we realize that we are not good. What a burden that is for us to bear. 
But the good news, the exciting news, the incredible news, the awesome news for us this morning is that that is not your burden or mine. It's not our burden to bear. It's his. God is good. But he's good not just because he's perfect and sinless. He's good because his goodness benefits us. He gives us his goodness. His goodness is the kind of goodness that relieves our burden and gives us the gift of salvation. His goodness is good for us because Jesus never bowed down to idols or worshipped them. He never worshipped at the feet of material possessions. He takes on the weight of all of that and then some. He is good because he takes on the burden of trying to please our idols off of us and puts it on his own back. And he carries that weight all the way to the cross. What good news that is for us. That's one burden lifted. But we still have the burden of all those commandments to keep. We need to keep them all. That is God's command. It is his demand. Every single one of them. And we wish we could respond as confidently as the rich young ruler did that day. Well, yeah, sure, I've kept them all ever since I was a kid. I kept all of the commandments, but we know that that's not true. We know that even though we may not have murdered a person's body, we have murdered their character. We know that even if we may not have physically committed adultery, we have looked with lust. We know that even though we may not have taken something from the corner store, we have certainly taken things from other people that do not belong to us. Jesus piles up all the commandments on the back of that rich young ruler to show how incredibly much God requires. We haven't even come close to keeping all of them. We cannot enter the age that is to come without having kept every single one of them. What a burden that is for us to bear. But the good news, the incredible news, the awesome and exciting news for us this morning is that even that is not our burden. It's his. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but I have come to fulfill them. And that's what he did. By loving the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and by loving his neighbor, every neighbor, all neighbors as himself, by loving the Pharisees enough to correct them, by loving the disciples enough to forgive them, he did what we could not so that we would have everything that only he could give. Your burden is removed from you when it is washed away in your baptism. Jesus has kept all the commandments for you and he gives you that gift when you are baptized. His perfection becomes yours. What good news that is. So two incredible burdens have been lifted off of us, but, but now Jesus calls us to take whatever it is that we put above and before him and give it away. Ready to do that this morning? Like the rich young ruler, I'm afraid our face falls when we realize we have to give 
everything to Jesus? Is it your wealth that holds you back from him because you hold it in too high a regard? Is it the pursuit of a relationship that holds you back from him because it consumes everything you have and are? Is it your work that holds you back from him? Because it means that you simply don't have enough time for him or, or for study in his word or for devotional time. Do whatever it takes to release those things. Because if they come before Jesus, if they are your idols, they put you in danger of taking away your saving faith. Go sell everything you have, Jesus says, and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Man, what a burden that is to bear. But the good news, the exciting news, the incredible and awesome news for us this morning is that even that is not our burden, it's his. Jesus gave away the very throne of heaven and all the riches that he had there to come to this earth as one of us so that he could and would pay the price for our salvation and remove the burden of all of our sin. He gave his life so that he could keep on giving. His forgiveness means that our treasure is worth more, much more than all the money in the world, all the real estate in Manhattan. He gives us treasure in heaven, and it is a treasure that is being stored there. So that when that new age arrives, it will be there for our disposal. We will have it and own it and possess it as his gift. I'm sure most of you have bank accounts, as I do. The, the reason we have money in the bank is not so that we can spend it in the bank. It's so that you can take it out and spend it somewhere else. The reason that you have treasure in heaven is so that you can enjoy it in the age that is to come. When God sends Jesus back, and recreates a new heaven and a new earth where you will live a life after life after death and own and possess all the riches of the kingdom that he gives to you as his gift. Following Jesus is really no burden at all, we learn today. Following Jesus means that he lifts all of the burdens off of us and takes them upon himself. Following me, Jesus means giving up everything that gets in the way of our relationship with him. And if our wealth and riches and gifts don't get in the way, if they don't get in the way, then we use them for the sake of the kingdom. We give them away to help others and to build up the church. Following Jesus means following him in this present age until that day when a new heaven and a new earth will be revealed where we will walk into the age that is to come with all the gifts of a giving God. Jesus says, come, follow me. And we follow. Because to follow Jesus means to walk the path to the age that is to come without any burden whatsoever because he has lifted them off of us, taken them upon himself, and carried them by the weight of the cross, rising to life again so that we too will have new life in the age 
that is to come burden-free. Amen.